Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson and Michael Grumbine. It's a new week. It's a new life. It's uh, it's a new person. Look at that. Right there. Well, it's Mixer. I don't, I don't grow tired of your intro. I really don't. It is it <laughs> oh, absolute quality. Yeah, it's great. Had, and, and also, I felt like when I listened to the intro this time, I was like, finally, we're back into the ages before... Um, the, <laughs> we're back Lord into the ages of the rings of power mm. when they were constructed yeah stuff. i wasn't going to start my rings of power what are you so. talking about <laughs> oh you you were you were thinking i meant the amazon show oh michael mm. that's so never we never referenced that show no. guys we're we're going to be reading aldarion and erendis the mariner's wife which is sadly an unfinished tale that comes from tolkien's books book unfinished tales which was pub published, I think, in 1977. Is that right? Yeah, yeah there it is, right there. Oh, oh we wait. have the same version. Oh, mm -hmm. right. oh, but look, that's a good one. I love this. That. Oh, this no, dude, this this Nazgul thing on the back. Oh, that is oh, sweet. Goes okay. so oh, hard. Fantastic. Fantastic. But this yeah. this is original Tolkien Gondor Gondor helm Numenorian helm right there. Yes, that that's is wow. that is Tolkien's sketch of a Numenorian helm. Yeah. This is a hot that's take. Uh, <laughs> this is everybody listening to this is now like what in the world are you guys talking about i don't think... anyway i have the i found this last year at a used bookstore it's the original original version original edition of uh unfinished tales so i was very we're happy. talking about tolkien and helmets i actually think that the uh i always thought that the crown of gondor was bad i never Ooh. liked it i never liked Ooh. his his rend his artistic mm. rendition of it uh i, 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 I think we're gonna have to have an episode called mixers hot takes and we're just gonna go through <laughs> them one by one and talk about how wrong you are it's on just all clunky <laughs> it's, it's real you know and then the little wings coming out like the yeah, like it's like well, it's yeah, the wing, shoe you know yeah the, the wings were not sweeping and large enough they they it would have been more majestic i agree with you about the wings yeah hmm Hmm. So All right. Good. Well, no, you, you digress. Something you disagree with. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this this is a this is a it's a tough to understand helm. If you see a picture of it, maybe I'll put a link in the in the in the description. But that's I mean, it's sort of like is this is this the front or is this where is this the ear? Like it's sort of it's kind of crazy. So uh, so it's maybe that's why it's unfinished because he never finished the helm either. He never got to actually <laughs> read it. That's why it's on the cover of Unfinished Tales. Uh, but oh. Unfinished Tales. So uh, we're going to jump into that. We're actually only reading the first four pages in this copy here that you see in the original 1977 version. It's only the first four pages before Erendis even comes into the story. So this is as Michael said earlier. This is for to us is like this is just called Aldarion and the Mariner. We're not including the wife or the errandist. Right. Yeah, exactly. um, but before we jump into all that, first of all, thanks everybody for, for listening. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please go to Spotify and give us a review or Apple and give us a review. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and the more people that review, the more people find us, the more people listen, the more uh, feedback we get and the better this show is. So it's all about becoming better for all of you all. Little known fact, our Rings of Power jokes will become better the more five-star reviews we get. <laughs> Less damage. <laughs> well, well well, our tweeting is going to be tremendous because the Middle Earth Mixer is here today. Yeah. And, uh, it's and, it's uh, such and, a way to carry, a but somebody has to put out banners. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know. You, ha you have the, the, the precise, I don't know if zeitgeist is the right words, but the, 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 the soul of Twitter somehow you, you took part of it and it's embedded in your, in your own heart. And uh, I contribute that to my work in PR. Oh yeah, that's fine. I feel like I have like a good finger on the pulse of of what slaps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, I, I learned so much about what's what 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 memes are new and what phrases are uh, acceptable now by uh, following you on Twitter. So yeah, just look up the Middle Earth Mixer. I'll put a link below too. Follow him on Twitter for sure. Uh, he is growing fast, and he's going to be leaving us all in his dust. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, if you if you if you like what you're hearing, let me jump back to that. You can also become a member uh, of of us here uh by going to the one slash members you get our extended podcast where we'll address some questions and talk a little bit more about where we're going with Aldarian and Erendis talking we're going to talk a little bit about the Harfoots and Aldarian and Erendis believe it or not speaking of the rings of power mm. um oh I forgot we have we have a, a new member too I'm gonna have to edit this after the fact if I can throw it in so Harrison Adam Lynn and is it Rick I can't remember who became our fourth 
uh, sponsor. We've got a bunch of members, but only the sponsors. They give five times as much in order to uh, get their names here. And we we uh, honor them and thank them for supporting us uh, as we keep trudging forward into this. And thankfully, we're not doing any more changes right now for the films. Because though we love the films in some ways and hate them in others, I mean, there's more an appreciation for it than that. Um, it's nice to, to get back into uh, Tolkien's actual words. So, all right. Uh, Aldarian and Erendis, I said earlier, it's Unfinished Tales, right? Published in 1977. And um, if you haven't read Unfinished Tales, uh, you might come into it and going like, ooh, I can learn some more about Tolkien, but prepare to be disappointed at the end of every single one because indeed they are unfinished. It's like, wait, there, you got to keep going with this. And he never did. Um, and so Aldarian and Erendis really ends it's what uh, 30 pages, 40 pages. I can't remember. I, yeah, I, I, yeah it's 40, I have 40. So, um, so an unfinished tale, it's, it seems like it's the most, it's the most dramatic story in unfinished tales, the most prosaic, right? It's less of notes, more of like, like, so a lot of the other unfinished tales, um, it doesn't feel like it was written to be an actual story he wrote, whereas Tolkien actually was, he, he wrote this as something he wanted to finish, it seems. And to that end, I do have the one, the one quote he, we, ha he, we have in letters where he talks about Aldarian and Erendis, uh, and this was to the Thane of the Tolkien Society of America, Dick Plotz, in September 1965, and he wrote this. There is also a large amount of matter that is not strictly part of the Silmarillion, Cosmogony and matter concerning the Valar and later matter concerning Numenor and the war in Middle-earth, the fall of Eregion and death of Celebrimbor and the history of Celeborn and Gladriel. As for Numenor, the tale of the Akalabeth or downfall is fully written. The rest of its internal history is only an annal form and will probably remain so, except for one long Numenorian tale, The Mariner's Wife, now nearly complete, which doesn't seem that way after reading this, concerning the story of Aldarion, the sixth king, and his tragic relations with his father and his wife. This is supposed to have been preserved in the downfall when most of the Numenorean lore was lost that dealt with the first stage because it tells how Numenor became involved in the politics of Middle-earth. So that's the only quote, the only thing we have about Aldarion and Erendis outside of Unfinished Tales. But um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I know we kind of all have a little bit of different opinions on this here. Going into it, um, and I know this is sort of more of an intro episode. We're going to talk about Aldarion and his father primarily, but I actually really like this mainly because I, I feel like there's a lot to it and it's going somewhere and then we never quite get there. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're going up the roller coaster and you can see the tracks laid out in front of you. And then when you get to the top, they just stop and they have you walk off and, <laughs> and walk back down the steps. You never get to actually ride the ride that's in front of you. That's what it feels like, uh, reading this here. It's like, we get to the good part where something has changed, where maybe there, there's going to be some serious action happening. And then it, it just kind of, it just ends. Um, I don't know. So that was my initial take on it. What, what do you guys think of this story before we get into the details of it? Since I'm probably a midpoint between your, well, literally I'm a midpoint also in the, in the show, <laughs> in the video, yeah, sure. <laughs> in the video, but, um, but also I'll, I'll say that I also enjoy this story and my take by the end of it, not for this episode, because we've only, we're only reading a few pages for this episode. By the end, I am going to explain why Jonathan, uh, to Jonathan, why this is less unfinished than he thinks he thinks it is, um, because I uh, my take is mm. that actually the some of the most of the heart of what Tolkien wanted to say in the story is told in the telling that exists. Although clearly it is unfinished, but but I, I think there's I think yeah. So that's my take, um, kind of a teaser. And now we now to our guest, who is only here by force. We 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 twisted the thumb screws. <laughs> no, no, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that I disagree with either of you. I think um, whenever I say that I'm not a huge fan of something with Tolkien, you have to take it with the grain of salt. Of I'm a fan of it all. So this is like the thing that is on the lower rung of what right. I prefer to read. I think it's I think it's important. Um, but it's one of those things that, uh, for me, it's like, I only read it once and I understand it and I don't have that much of a desire to go back and, and read it, but I get why it's important. Like this, if you, if you guys both didn't want to do this podcast with me, I probably wouldn't have read that again for, mm. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> maybe indefinitely. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I do think it's I do think it's good. I do think it's important. I think that you know, and I'll I'll save my thoughts for when we we really get into it. But I uh, it, it does yeah. highlight the beginning of things to come later, um, which is obviously very important to the downfall of it all. So you need to yeah. know where the roots of the downfall come from, and I it's it's important to read this so you know. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, then let's jump into it and let's let's kind of give uh, the lay of the land here of uh, where the story begins. And that is with his father, Meneldor. He is the uh, son of the fifth king, Eldarion is. So Meneldor is the fifth king of Numenor. Is it the year 780? I don't have it up here right now. Which uh, That the story um, starts? No. Yeah. Yes. Second age, no. isn't it? A second, it is second age. Seven twenty-five is when he goes on his first. Yeah, I think voyage. it's at seven hundred and twenty-five. Um, so, so seven hundred, he was born. Okay, yep. So, so he was twenty-five when he went on his first first. Uh, yeah, seven eighty. He would have been eighty. That's when he met Arendis, maybe. Anyway, uh, all right. So, so we learn about Meneldor. Meneldor loves Numenor. He is. Uh, it's the land that he loves. He goes uh, up north to uh, is it the Forest Star, and he sets up a tower so that he can watch the stars and he can look at the land and he can enjoy everything. And so his name, the name means servant of the heavens. Uh, and we can immediately see like, even just by his name, servant of the heavens. And then we have Anarion or Aldarion, who is uh, his, his name then means Taradarion means, means son of trees, but like he loved the ocean. Right. And so his father, right away, we know like, okay, there, there's going to be a difference in here. And so Tolkien initially right away, he's setting up this rift that's going to happen between Meneldor and Eldarion. Uh, and that's that's really the the whole, I think the, those, these first four pages is kind of setting up like, man, one, they love they love what they love. And so, for instance, uh, the Tolkien writes this about Meneldor. He was enamored of the stars in the heavens, all that he could gather of the lore of the Eldar and the Dain concerning Ea and the deeps that lay about the kingdom of Arda. He studied, and his chief delight was in the watching of the stars. Um, and if I could jump in here, I, I would actually put a tweak on what you said because uh -huh. it wasn't the land that he loved. I mean, he did, he did, he lived on the land. It was yeah. this heavens. It was the stars. Like he, it, the only time he left his abode high in the mountains in the highest point aside okay. from, aside from the central. Oh, what he did. He did say he loved dearly the land of Numenor and all things in it. That is a quote directly from them. Okay. But he loved the he loved the the stars even more, right? He was enamored of the stars in the heavens. He's yeah, like yeah. the guy who just looks right. up and just can't stop looking. But yes, but he was he was someone who was sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> he lives in this tower in the northern parts, the the high the only parts that are have these high mountains, um, in 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 all of the island. And I just want to tell our view our listeners and viewers if you haven't read this read the chapter before this one which tells you all about i mean this also shows you G tolkien's love of geography because he tells you all about the island of numenor which is an, a star-shaped island roughly star-shaped that has it's about 500 miles across at the farthest point between the two arms arms of two stars and about 250 miles across at the middle and and so you got the star-shaped island so it's a pretty sizable island um, but the only place there's these tall mountains is in Forestar, and that's where Meneldor lives his whole life until he's forced by becoming king to 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 travel to the capital um, in in the middle of the island. So, which is Armenelos. So there's there really is um, I I saw a difference between him and his sons, but a similarity. So his son is is enamored of the ocean, as we will quickly learn. Um, Oh, cool. There we go. Nice. Almost like yeah. our, our website is renowned for its maps. <laughs> maps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just showing a, a map of uh, Numenor on the screen that uh, by Christopher Tolkien. And you can see Forrestar up here at the top. Right. Right. So, so, uh, but I see a similarity between him and his son. So both of them are enamored of, of things outside of the island. Um, for him, it's the stars. And what is interesting too is that for those in in his in deep in history those who are associated with the stars in the heavens i mean this was true of the ancient cultures i mean we have this of the magi for example um in in uh, the christian story but also all, all all through the egyptian lore and assyrian and everyone babylonian and chinese um is those who are who are um, look to the stars are the ones that are wise so so you have wisdom and the and um, associated with that and for Menelduer, 
mostly, except mm-hmm. for a few decisions that he makes, um, he is regarded as fairly wise, whereas his son is entirely different. But they both are obsessed with a certain part of Middle Earth. Um, and, and so I find that fascinating. I think an important thing to note, <clears throat> since we're providing context, is Meldor is actually uh, the younger of two sisters. So it, it's one is Silmarian, obviously, and then I, I can't recall the middle sister. Um, Isilme. It's what? Isilme. I S I L M E with an umlaut over. Okay, it. right. Who, who apparently had and, no children, so so she's. And this is where you have the first case of, I, I believe, of the oldest child not receiving the scepter. Um, and I'm of the opinion that, you know, I think Tolkien makes it pretty clear, especially since all of the heroes that come later, you know, Elendil, Isildur, Aragorn, you know, they are of Silmarion's line. And later in Numenor, it becomes legal for queens to take up the scepter. But at this point, it's not legal yet. So... This is kind of, in my opinion, where the break between what was meant to be and what actually happened takes place. So what was meant to be was for Silmarion to receive the scepter, even though it doesn't happen because it's not legal yet. And therefore, this sort of Mm. corruption gets sown into the whole thing. And it starts off slow because you, you don't really see it with Meldor, right? He's, for the most part, looked at as sort of a wise king. Even though he's not perfect, he makes mistakes in raising Aldarian. Uh, but I, I think that it's important to establish that context, that this is where the roots of some level of discord kind of comes into the whole story. Good point. Good point. Because Tarlendil, uh, Menelor's father, is the fourth king of Numenor. So this is we're real early on in the early, line. Yeah. Um, and, and the rift already happens. And like you say, um, from, from um, the oldest sister's line, uh, Samarian um, comes all of the greatest kings and the the fate of the faithful who who survive the destruction of their island. Um, so I so maybe in in one sense it's kind of two pronged, right? So Tarlendil, the fourth king, um, breaks what should have been. Well, he didn't break it; <laughs> it was their rule. Um, but he follows the rule to the detriment of the good, and and he passes the line on to his third child, Meneldor, um, who is his first son. Mm-hmm. And then from Meneldor, we see also the roots of the destruction of Numenor in the the sort of worship and lust for the sea that um, that his son, who is the protagonist of this story, Aldarion, um, uh, embodies. He, uh, we were joking beforehand, I said, like one point in this in this early first reading he he literally invents the first houseboat and uh and, and <laughs> yeah. lives on it he hates he the land so much he doesn't want to live on it he's just so like no, no no put me on a boat live on the ship i like so this is why i find him cringe you know the things that he does, <laughs> it just me. he's houseboat guy <laughs> yeah there there are a lot of reasons to find him cringe I think as we read through it, the things like I feel like we learn so little about him because we know so little about what we'll learn is his relationship with the elves and how he's appreciated by the elves. We just heard hear that third party in the letter, really. Uh, well, and for for the elves, essentially, eventually thanking him. But um, that we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a later episode. Right. So in the beginning, this is kind of like it reminded me a little bit of uh, reminds me a little bit of like the genealogy in the book of Matthew, because it, it's basically like the first to a couple pages, not quite as dry as Matthew, where he's telling the line of Christ, but this is telling the lineage and he's and it almost feels like a combo between Matthew and Dostoevsky because we got he got all these people with different names, too. And so it, so even mm-hmm. even the, the protagonist of this story, Aldarion, his his real name is Anardil. Um, lover of the sun, which wasn't really true. He didn't really love the sun that much. So. It's aspirational. It's an aspirational name <laughs> that his parents gave him. Like, please just love the sun, boy. Come on. Um, with sun being up in the heavens, his father would have uh, chosen a name like that, I suppose. Yes, right, right. Um, but uh, so Aldarian, we are, we're told er, er, very early on that Aldarian has a great love for the ocean, and he um, in seven twenty five. Interestingly, I, I find it interesting that Tolkien is always 
it always tells us when the coming of age is for different races or not always, but often. So we have, we know mm -hmm. where Hobbit's coming of age is at 33. And so for the Nomenorians, it's 25. And so he becomes of age and immediately wants to leave. I'm gone. I want to go to middle earth. So his father right. gives him, um, permission although sadly because he kind of I, I think he kind of has a foreboding of what's what's going on and um so aldarian goes off for a few years and let's 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 go oh, it's with veontua right it's his father's his is it is his mother's his, his uncle right his mother's dad it's the in-laws oh it's it's his his the his grandfather. grandfather. Yeah. It's his grandfather. His grandfather. His, yeah, yeah, his yeah, maternal yeah, grandfather, right? Right. So it's the in-laws. It's it's Menaldor's in-laws that are causing the problems here. That's mm -hmm. one thing we also learn in this. Captain of the ships. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. So he right. So so Vantor, So his mother. He Aldarion comes across like his mother really loves him. He's a little bit of a mama's boy, perhaps, or perhaps love because he's the only only son and he's going to be the king. Uh, but he yeah, he studies under Vantor, right? He. Um, he, Tolkien wrote, Aldarion was much loved by Vantor, his mother's father, and he dwelt often in his house on the southern side of the Firth of Romena. Uh, and that's that's where like it, this this whole thing was birthed. And so then at 25, when he was when he was born, like you were saying, Michael, sorry, I interrupted. I just want to make sure that we give people the context. Uh, Vantor is like, come with me, and Menaldor, you know, come with me on this on this uh, on this long trip across the sea. And I think Vantor. Um, Vantor was the first person to sail to back to Middle Earth. He was he was the first Numenorean to actually re like get to the lands of Middle Earth again. So it had been seven hundred years since any Numenoreans had been back to Middle Earth, and so he was the first one to go there. Uh, and he decides to take Eldarion with him, and his dad says, "Sure, sorry, Michael, and you were going to say, unless oh uh, no, that's you're fine. I was actually going to shift to you know." the only thing that our modern listeners would have in their in their mind's eye for who who haven't read the books is in the rings of power when they're showing the city the supposed capital city which ju so just for the record it appears to be some kind of mashup of romena and armenelos um, uh -huh. because they're, they're they're trying to represent it as the capital city but it's a port city and the capital city of of numenor is not a port city and I'm going to point out, it's it's funny because when I was first reading about Numenor, um, I always thought it was so strange that they hadn't left their island basically for almost 700 years. They had, or they left their island, but they hadn't reached Middle Earth for almost 700 years. And but then you you look at the picture that Jonathan's got up there for the, and this is super helpful for those of you that are just listening to the podcast. <laughs> but if you go to the OneRing.com, you will easily find the Numenorean map, and you'll notice that. Menel Tarma, the mountain, the tallest mountain of, on the island, is right in the center of the star. Menelos is very close nearby. Their culture was actually not centered around the sea. Um, their culture was centered around the land itself, um, which was a kind of refuge in the in the destruction that yeah, had been the land of gift, right? Yes, That's what they call it. exactly what it means. And so, so they're not a not, they're not first and foremost a people of the sea now of course as they thrive and prosper they be, they they spread to the edges of the island and and they do become um renowned as as a maritime power um which we're hearing some of the beginning of this story now but it they weren't you know the whole like sea is always right crap that was chanted in in rings of power was is just it's not I mean, maybe it's it, it's a it's a thirteen year old's take on what they would have felt like um, at a much later stage, but it's not. It, it, this doesn't reflect the focus of um, of the Numenorians, especially in the first half of their of their um, existence. And I also thought it was cool that they were that Tolkien references, which he doesn't do in the Lord of the Rings. He references that, for example, when upon the return of um, uh, of Aldarion back to back to Numenor for the first time um, on this great ship. Um, Num I'm going to get the accents on the right syllables. Yeah, right. I know. I, I tried this so many times too. <laughs> Numerama. Numerama. Numerama, right? Is that right? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, it, that that he came on um, the or right close to. Eru Eru Hantale, Eru Hantale, um, which is a religious feast. So Tolkien doesn't reference religious feasts in the Lord of the Rings, 
But here he does, because, of course, the Numenorians are the only race of men to worship Eru directly on their mountain. Um, and this is a feast um, to in Eru's honor. So anyway, that I, I thought it was th that part of it was striking and interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I think but all of the all of the Tolkien experts, they they all tell me that there's no there's no religious references <laughs> in, in Tolkien's works. Am I yeah. hearing this for the first time? Whoa. whoa, whoa. Yes, well, blowing my mind right now. <laughs> the culture of experts, it turns out, is not all it's cracked up to be. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I really scholar I, has become a red flag. At least it <laughs> is, yeah, a red flag, and often with red or pink or purple hair. Yes, a couple <laughs> that with. That's right. That's right. Um, so, what's funny is that he'd spent years in New in Middle Earth. His entire focus, he goes back to Middle-earth a bunch of times before the end of this the part of the reading we are reading. And his mm -hmm. entire focus is, I mean, not entire focus. He loved exploring. But his the primary thing he takes away is he wants to, he spends all this time in Middle-earth learning from Kierden. So Kierden makes mm -hmm. a bunch of appearances, not directly, but, but yeah. in this part. He's mentioned so many times. He's mentioned I, a lot. I think it's... It's important to note, though, that although he loved exploring, it wasn't he didn't really love the lands that he was visiting. And remember when he asked him, he's like, oh, what was the metal door? Yeah, I think, I think like, what was so, the best part of your trip? And he's like, oh, he's like, I don't know, trees, grass, rocks. There's that stuff over there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he says I think, something I of like that nature. That's the most important line of the entire section we're reading. So yeah. uh, so metal door asked him. What did you see, Onya, which I guess is, yeah, Onya is a, is a term of endearment, I believe, in your far journeys that now lives most in memory. But Aldarion looked east towards the night, was silent. At last he answered, but softly, as one that speaks to himself, the fair people of the elves, the green shores, the mountains wreathed in clouds, the regions of mist and shadow beyond guess, I do not know. It... it well, it's, like and it said, says, uh, he ceased and Meldor, Meldor knew, knew that he had not spoken his full mind. Part of me is like, because all he can think about is the sea, right? He's like, yeah, the elves were cool, but man, the ocean. And like, what did you see when you were abroad? Well, I saw the ocean and all that really mattered. But he couldn't say that to his dad because he knew his dad hates the ocean. He knew his dad wants him to talk about the wonderful things he sees, the stars in the sky, the elves and their love of the stars, right? That might have been something he was thinking about. Even though he says it lives most in memory, those memories are still good of what the elves stood for them which we'll learn about later when the elves come back to yeah, come back to Numenor for the first time too. Uh, to come back to come to right? Numenor. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're germs. <laughs> yep. exactly. uh, so, that's two. One more and you're out. One more and you're out, Mixer. That's two jokes. I got, you know I got, one, in the, I got one in the chamber. <laughs> I'm ready to. <laughs> it'll, it'll come along. Um, there's, it's that part's fascinating to me because we recall from the Lord of the Rings that the the sort of addictive longing for the sea i'm going to call it addictive tolkien never uses that word but to my knowledge but the addictive longing to see was a trait in elves of some of many times um, mm -hmm. i mean there were there's a whole subset of elves that all they do is live on the coast they would they wouldn't even come into literal paradise into the center of literal paradise because they had to live on the edges of the ocean mm -hmm. uh, off of valinor for tolarisea etc and so so this longing for the sea, it's funny because I asked myself the question, is this, is this, a, is Tolkien trying to say that's a bad thing? Because it seems natural to them, right? But with Aldarion, it definitely is a bad thing. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's shown to be an excess. It's shown to be disproportionate. It's mm -hmm. wrong. It, it, it actually wrecks his life um, and in lives of people around him. And so, you know, and so the seeds of Numenor's eventual fall. Um, so, so Tolkien seems to be giving us a kind of cautionary tale. But how is this? How is the longing for the sea any different than the longing for the stars? Like, uh, is there? What's, well, what, remember what's what we learned. I, I in the Silmarine, the sea has um, still echoes of the music of the Ainur. Right, the, uh, Tolkien writes essentially something like that in the Silmarillion. And so, and one they also they don't worship, but they hold dear Uinen, Right, Ose's uh spouse essentially the protector of Numenor. Yeah. Uh, Meyer spouse, and, yeah. And the Meyer spouse, yes. And um and so there's something about that, right? Every time the, the longing for the sea of the elves, right? The elves have this longing for the sea that's somehow born into them. Even we hear that in Legolas, right? He heard the gulls uh and like that birthed the longing in him that he didn't really hadn't experienced as uh 
as it was, it, would, it peaked it in him. So um, I think that's where the, the, for Tolkien, that's where the longing of the sea, that's kind of where it's birthed out of is that the sound of the water, the sound of the ocean, when you're there, it, it has something of the music of the Ainur still in it. I think a great word you use there, Michael, is excess. Mm. When does whatever passion mm-hmm. that you have become excess? Because we, we know that even, you know, Tolkien laid out um, e- e- too much of a love of the stars being a problem as well. That one quote that Gandalf has where he's talking about the uh, descendants of Gondor kind of into like lesser days. Oh, good call. Where he says, um, mm. you know, aged men in towers, they, they sit up in towers and ask questions of the stars. Meanwhile, everything falls into ruin. So I think you used a great word there is excess. It's it's knowing when to say enough of something. That's actually, I'm, I'm listening to another podcast right now that's breaking down sort of uh, a bunch of different things about the Bible and and what does it mean about, you know, being made in, in the image of God. And one of the points that the this gentleman makes is is knowing when to say enough. So because that's been on my mind lately, that immediately, hmm. when you said excess, you know, that that hit the... I feel like that hits the nail on the head right there. So it, it, whether your passion before the stars or whether your passion before the trees in a lot of the woodland elves or Mirkwood elves cases, whether your passion is for the land, the stars, the ocean, whenever it becomes too much of something, that's when you're living outside of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I think it's when the right one it affects the people around you, but you can also see it with Eldarion, and, and this is comes to the last section. Uh, that we're talking about today is in <laughs> he doesn't love the trees because they're beautiful growing things he loves them because he can cut them down and make boats out of them right and and so um it becomes uh it's a tool right it it feeds his excess whatever's around him if it can feed that one thing that he cannot get his mind off of that 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 makes it more than it should be yeah that's a great great point mixer great point and also jonathan i i calls to mind some interesting images like even the Valar have a problem with this sometimes you know you have the story about uh Aule and Yavanna and their conversation and they're both kind of excess like Aule ends the conversation which maybe the only time in history that a married man wins in an argument with his wife um which is which is that he says he says and yet they will they the dwarves will have have need of fuel for their, <laughs> in other words, they're still going to cut down your trees. Um, and, and so he, you know, it's this, this, the swing between Yovana, who is just so much on the side of the living and, you know, the plants and, and the forest and the, that she's, you know, she brings about this, the eagles and the ants um, through her plea. Um, and, and yet it's an extreme and so is Aule, and through Aule, his creations, sub-creations, the dwarves, um, they are also an extate represent an extreme. They they love beauty, they love things that are really beautiful, but they they very easily go to excess in that in this in the their desire for that. You know, even you know, the the slaying of the of Thingol with, and the, for the Noglamir and uh, their their famous mm-hmm. you know destruction of forests for their for their mines and their love of gold. So you have these excesses, which are which are really interesting, and Tolkien does seem to be pointing to them. But in each excess, there's a good, and it also reminds me of uh, you know of the ancient Greeks, like the idea of virtue of excellence is a mean between two extremes. You can have too little of of of, of, of a passion for something and too much. So you you need self control, and and you know even even love of the good needs of, of particular goods, I should say, needs to be controlled. Um, and moderated, and uh, it's when people don't moderate, like Aldarian, that you have you end up with real problems. I think it's hilarious that you brought up the quote about "Nevertheless, they will have need of wood," because uh, one of the members in our Discord chat posted this this week when we, when we were talking a little bit about this uh, this story. But uh, he put this little meme together. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. I did not see that. I was. I not know. Discord. <laughs> so it's a picture of of uh, uh, what's his name, Farazan from the Rings of Power, and with a quote: "Nevertheless, they will have need of wood." Dash Eldar, <laughs> which is true, right? The, the ships will have need of wood. So yeah, that's great. Um, definitely Excellent. same wavelength there. 
<laughs> I'm just laughing that every time I see oh. like those costumes were so bad. Oh my gosh, the background. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I knew showing the picture would just be a problem because we'll descend into the madness of the rings of power. Maybe we should have a whole episode. Ew, about the you new, know, um... we could. Well, the the new rumors that just dropped. Don't even go there. I know. <laughs> I, I I heard it, but I mean, like, what didn't they come from? Our channel. Yeah, the other. Yes, it came from the the, the, uh, the other one. The other one. <laughs> the other one. Yeah. <laughs> the um, one that has me blocked on Twitter. Oh, hey, me too. Um, wait, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not me. I can't remember. I think one of their. Anyway, yes. It's uh, you can It's funny it up, because when I go to the, I don't, I don't know if I've told you this before, but you know how there's a Lord of the Rings Explore page. Mm-hmm. When I go there now, there's like like about four things show up. <laughs> just so many people have me blocked. Oh man, I'm so sorry. I won't block you, Mixer. Appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a good guy, you um, know. I just like to have. I, you know, sometimes I can be a little pithy on Twitter, but you know, I like well, it. It's all good. Your depth is much appreciated here. So um, anyway, so is there? So the last thing we learn about them is that this is the time. Uh, right, he went. How many more trips did he go? Did, they, did he say to uh, did, did Tolkien write before? Was it like four at this point at the end of this year? I didn't. I didn't go through and count. I meant to. Well, I thought it was funny. It was like there's one point where it's like, and then he went on another trip, and yet again he went on another went trip. another trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The important part yeah. is that he just keeps going. He just keeps yeah. leaving. Um, I I thought it was like first sign of of a dysfunctional. Um, his father acting in the most dysfunctional fashion. It's <laughs> like Tar Meldor ever opposed his son, and he set a curb on the felling of trees in Numenor for the building of vessels. And it came to into therefore into our darkness mind that he would find timber in Middle Earth and seek there for a haven for the repair of his ships. Um, and then it proceeds to describe all the coastline he saw and all the all the <laughs> wonderful forests that were good for building ships. But right. I mean, like it's classic. Like you know, my 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 son is doing something bad with this x thing therefore i will forbid x thing from happening and that'll solve it <laughs> like, yeah. when, okay. yeah, it's like it doesn't really address yeah. the real not problem, the way I think. parenting works <laughs> just, just block them on twitter and the, you, you won't <laughs> yes. have to worry about what they say ever again you know i think <laughs> that there's sort of idea we can consider Menildor for the most part like a good king and the descendants of of kings that goes but i i, I don't think that I don't think he's without fault and I don't think that he's without, you know, kind of that point I made earlier about this is where sort of the corruption begins. I don't think that he's without fault. I think that he was ineffective in the way that he handled his son. And I think, I think he was derelict um, at, at certain times. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there was certain parts where it says that he was estranged from his father and you could you could play a game about whose fault that was. But I definitely think that, you know, there's there's faults to be had that kind of builds into that point I made about uh, here's where the corruption begins. Right. Right. I agree. And I think that it's real important to keep in mind that although it's speaking of children, one of the harder lessons from a moral perspective for in my in my experience is trying to reiterate or, or inculcate the idea with my children that a, a sin of omission can be just as bad as a sin of commission like not doing what you're supposed to can be just as flawed as doing a bad thing mm-hmm. um, so if you are a parent you have a responsibility to raise your children uh, well and if you if you don't do that and you just you're like well but you know he never beat me oh okay well that's that that's great it's a super ridiculously low bar for you to claim that someone's a decent person so so in this case i i mean obviously um aldarian is a man so he has responsibility for his own choices and so you can't say that it was the estrangement was just his uh, just his father's fault but Clearly, I think Tolkien is hinting that there's fault on both sides, and Menaldor is is ineffective. Um, yeah. Even even the things that we're told that he does, like that's I think that might even be the first thing that we're told that he does in this chapter is like forbid his son from cutting down trees. Oh, okay. Which yeah, but it's it's almost like it's not even it, it, it's not addressed to his son. It's he's circumnavigating a confrontation with his son by yeah. basically yeah. making some. Exactly. If you're king, whatever if you're, to not. If, yeah. Exactly. If you're king, why don't you bring your son in 
and confront it directly and say, this is disordered and we need to stop and I'm the king. So this is the way it works. Um, I'm a king with a very specific lifespan. There's a joke I was going to like make because I did, I started doing the math. I'm like, holy crud, every single king of, of, of um, Numenor after the first, after Elros, um, is lives between 398 and 412 years. So this ridiculously tiny band um, <laughs> of time. They're all almost exactly 400 years and then they die. And so it, up, up through the eighth line anyway. Um, so anyway, so you have a very specific amount of time to be on the island and you are king for that. Well, they give up the scepter before their death, like, you know, so 50 yes, years right. before their death or something. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think this is this is all seeding. We've mentioned this. But it's there's so many seeds of the downfall of the men of Numenor, and and what's classic is they haven't even reached their heights, right? So their heights for which they're known, they haven't reached them. We already see the sound seeds of their downfall. All right, All right. All right. Hey, what do you guys think? Go what, ahead. What do you think of uh of, of their um, love of Uinen? That's that was interesting to me. Like they're like they're they're even called the Uindili. Uindili, yeah. Uindili. Thank you. Um, what, what's it, what's up with their with the love of the Lady of the Seas there? And why not Ose? Why not why not Olmo? Why I've not? often wondered that, and I, you know, I think it's because. With, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, if I had to come up with a reason, I think it's you know when people typically when they refer to a vessel, it's it's in the feminine. Mm. Um, like a sea vessel. And, and I think that there's something about the feminine and care for being out on the sea. It's, it's a very dangerous activity in and of itself. So I think that there's something comforting about the appeal to Uinen as opposed to Ase, which might drum up feelings of more aggressiveness or, or like Ase kind of gives the impression of of the power of the sea as opposed to the care of the sea yeah she's the Good one point. that brings like they revere her for uh they look to her for calm seas right that she would she would be there to protect them and to 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 protect them from the from from, from the storms and the things that were out there and so that's why i think it is and maybe because numenor you know was born from a cataclysm in a way um uh, and that it's in the middle well you know, I mean, not according to the Rings of Power, but it's in the middle of a great, wide, vast ocean that takes you a long, long time to go from one landmass to the other. So there, they are, or a day and a half, if or, you're, or a day and a half, <laughs> right? If you're Jeff Bezos, yeah. So uh, I think you know that's why she's the the feminine side of the the masculine, uh, dangerous ocean, maybe. Um, and it's always it's always way cooler to to worship the feminine god. And, you know, she's way more hot. And, <laughs> sculptures are so much better i mean that, you remember had that statue of her in, in the rings of they power did yeah in the yeah. prisons for some reason at least they got that right <laughs> in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you bring up the obvious and you like you're like wait i missed that you're right it's the freaking in the middle yeah. of the prison so all the prisoners right. can like continue uh, worship to her? give hope to the prisoners i don't know yeah. Or, so here, or, you know, here. Just, just another example of the patriarchy keeping the woman in prison. <laughs> so, so this is uh, this is from the Silmarillion in of the Maiar. This is what Tolkien wrote about Uinen. He wrote, um, "His spouse, uh, I'll say spouse, is Uinen, the Lady of the Seas, whose hair lies spread through all waters under sky. All creatures she loves that live in the salt streams and all weeds that grow there. To her, mariners cry, for she can lay calm upon the waves, restraining the wildness of Ose." The Numenorians lived long in her protection and held her in reverence, equal to the Valar. Nice. It's an interesting touch, right? They they are stuck, and so they have to be mariners of some sort. And they can see, right? Those with far sight, they can see um, the the what, what the city. Uh, Michael, come on, you remember oh, Tolerzea? Tolerzea. Yes, they can see that um, from from uh, is it the top of the Mental Tarma only, or from the, the oceans? I think it's from the top. I think of it's the, the top of Mental Tarma, yeah. Yeah. So they can see that, and so they, they know that's there, and so there's a longing for them to be in the the seas, uh, but they know it's dangerous, and so perhaps that's why you know Weenan is uh, is their homie. <laughs> it's Those that, are uh, these are all these are all good reasons. I am. So what, what was yours? Oh, you're Deadpool satisfied. I was Peterson. looking for the right reason. 
The no, balance, I... the balance of chaos and order, man. <laughs> she also loved lobsters, I hear. So there's that. It, it did <laughs> say all lobsters. living things in the ocean, so mm-hmm. lobsters would be one of those. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. So that is, that's awesome that you brought in a Peterson impersonation. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh man, oh, this man. podcast all right. is everything. <laughs> so let's uh, let's close this down. Uh, as we learned, we were just talking about uh, they sowed the seeds of, uh, or or uh, Aldarian was sowing the seeds of discontent, uh, as Menelder says. He was belie- he believed that he sowed the seeds of restlessness and the desire of other lands to hold, and so he pushes them away. And what does he do? He establishes Vinyalande at the New Haven. So the first seed, boom, right there. That's like some. Menelder just pushes him away, and he's like, "All right, I will start cutting down all the trees in Middle Earth instead." And so. Uh, you could say that um, Aldarian was the the sower, but uh, Meldor had was you know he was he was giving him the fertilizer to do it. So uh, yeah, he it ends hey, up he poor also, for them. He, he also established the first um, uh, guild of D and D adventures. Therefore, he formed the guild of ventures that afterwards was renowned. I was so waiting that, for somebody to, that, to bring that up. To that brotherhood, <laughs> we're joined all the hardiest and most eager mariners and young men sought admission oh, to it, even from the inland regions of Numenor. Well, and see, Aldar- they had to unionize because the elves will work for lower rages. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's three, man. That's three. <laughs> right, that's oh, man. Two and a half. Excellent. All um, the economic I, jokes. I don't know why I find them so funny. There's that's, 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 <laughs> it's rage, rage inducing. That's all it's, they know. If you don't Although, laugh, you cry. It it is stated in, in the um in one of the uh, notes here that the Guildhouse of Ventures was confiscated by the kings and removed to the Western Haven of Andunye, and all its records perished in the downfall, including all their. So at some point, we don't know why, but at some point, um, another guild came over and is like, we don't like you. We're going to knock all you out. Yeah, well, you know, it was the first guild of murder hobos. So after a certain amount of time, they just everyone gets tired of the murder hobos. So I'll, I'll say that as a as a D and D old D and D nerd. Yeah, yeah. This is uh this is outside my vocabulary. So you keep going, Michael. Oh, you don't you don't know the reference? That's the the, the name for adventures and Dungeons and Dragons is that the the meme name that was kid, that people from the nineties or for the two thousands came up with was murder hobos because all there's just wandering groups of people that just scour the landscape for treasure and kill everything they find so it's kind of the numenorians on the shores like they were they would eventually became that they became the murder hobos any final thoughts before i i turn off your mics (laughs) (laughs) i'm joking I'm trying to think of it. So we brought up we brought up the the guilds. That was something mm-hmm. I did want to touch on, mostly because I wanted to make oh. the rings of power joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the one other thing is that we learned that this was uh, essentially written in Gondor, uh, based on the one quote that where they write where the Nandor elves still dwell, and I think it's right here in, uh, in uh, Vinyalandor, right where the. So so in any case, so this isn't written. This is, Tolkien even wrote this as a history book in a sense uh, from Gondor. I have the note here or before the year uh, the, the third age, 1981. Right. Right. I liked from the notes on that. I liked the, the long description of the meeting of the first men of Numenor that, that travel back in 600, I think it says um, with they they travel to middle earth um, for the first time. And they, and they're, some of the men in the West come to see their long lost kin who they had all thought were, had died under the waves. And, and so Tolkien's got this, he builds up this great, you know, epic meeting between the men of Numenor and the, the some of the remaining good men of the West, uh, descendants of Baor, etc. And and what what happens, what's the first thing that happens? They don't understand each other's language. So Tolkien's like, and he describes how they figured out how to talk to each other. It's like, this is how a philologist writes an epic story. <laughs> <laughs> But they didn't know yeah. how to talk to each other, so then it was all awkward for like two yeah. nights while I tried to figure it out. <laughs> all right, he would know, you know, if this amount of time passed, there's probably a lot of breakage. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's realistic, right? But it's just the fact that it's like, and then they just were awkward for like yeah. a bunch of time while they figured out each other's language. Yeah, so it's funny. All right, guys. All right, see, I told you like we could do a lot on four pages. Oh, we can do more. And we did. Yeah. Well, stop it. <laughs> it's time to shut it down. No, right. We can get into more of those details later. All right. So I think for next week, um, 
I think what we'll do is read up through, uh, I want to say before they get married. I don't remember exactly where that is uh, because that gives us time to sort of talk about their relationship and where they came from and all that sort of stuff. So that might be another four or five pages, but um, well, yeah, so I, I don't have that exact point, but uh, just read the whole thing and follow along with us as we keep going. Cause you'll get a lot out of it. Even <laughs> you on know, I did, I, my one through. question, not to bring up rings of power again, but did, <laughs> but you're did they have, um, I, you know, it mentions the, the green, um the 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 bow of return mm, they did yeah um and i think in the rings of power they had like green on the front of the ships so it's like it's like again this like little thing that i think somebody put in there it's like this this it's it's like uinen in the prison you know it's just like a random dash of like intense lore that you wouldn't think they would yeah. think of and it's like who <laughs> Well, see, <laughs> who behind see, this, the scenes is throwing this in there? Like, well, this just, is my this was my theory mixer when we when we had our we did all of our reviews of the different episodes. Was my theory was that you got like this whole writers room, and it's like eighty percent, ninety percent seated, but there's like one writer that's good, and he just keeps his head down, and every once in a while he finds something to put in there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, whoa, that's awesome. That's actually from Tolkien. But, but, he did, but you know, he has no... And every once in a while, there's a line of dialogue. It's like, that's actually good. That's good dialogue. Like, yeah. one line out of 45 minutes. Um, yeah. and, and, and so, so yeah, I would say it was... I, that's my one good writer theory that I had. Like, there's one guy in there somewhere that's... Yeah. That has yeah. some, so he's probably the guy that put the green on the ships. I think the other term for that is lipstick on a pig. <laughs> just, just saying. That's kind of what they're doing with it. Um, but, all right, everybody. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he got that. That's cool to have a statue of Weenan. I just, I think that's good. I'm glad they put that in there versus not. <laughs> Sir, if only is it is it good? I wish we were even more wrong so that uh, somebody can come through <laughs> later. Anyway, this is a whole other discussion. We can talk about those uh, those. Uh, I don't know those if drops. those if those leaks are are real. Then like uh, this 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 next season of the Rings of Power two will be so much fun to watch because our expectations <laughs> it's gonna be a wild gonna be so ride. Long. It's gonna be nuts. <laughs> we're gonna have an episode all about what <laughs> one of them was like shadow facts and the mirrors yeah. and where they come yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. Like in the second age, what? It's going to be a well, freaking old horse. The worst I'm one really was, the, was, the, was the Celeborn oh one. Yeah. What I'm excited for is the discourse. <laughs> because I love I love to argue. I love when like Lord of the Rings topics are trending. So like yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. excited for that to pick back up again. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, you're we'll see what the show hard, brings man. to the table. You're, you're here for the nuts. turn. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be right. All right, everybody. Sure. All right. We are going to jump into our extended edition, guys. If you want to hear that, go to the slash members, become a member to get that. We're going to talk about the Harfoots in Middle Earth and the Numenorians uh, doing what they might do to them when they find them. So, uh, and we have got a couple other questions from other members. Go to the slash member to get that. And, uh, and if you want to, oh, I forgot to mention this early. Um, we do have, you can join our Discord chat. We have a, a, a beloved freeloader section now. So if you're a freeloader, you can join our join our community and um you can't you can't see behind the uh the curtain though there's a lot more than what we saw that was is a really bad analogy because like, is it just yeah no oh, no boy. there's, there's oh, only an old bald man behind the curtain every time you you pay for members no that's not true uh there, there there's a lot more uh going on um if you become a member for four dollars a month first month is free and uh and we'll see you on the other side everybody all right take care freeloaders yeah and freeloaders we love you get the link down below